In just a moment, recollections at 30. But first, the accent is on sports this weekend as Monitor takes you around the country. The schedule includes some of the nation's biggest golf tournaments, racing meets at Roosevelt Raceway in New York, Thistle Downs in Cleveland, and even a feature on Russian horse racing by Irving R. Levine in Moscow. You'll also meet Althea Gibson, tennis player, and five-year-old golf pro Linda Lewis, plus many other top names in the sports world. It's a full weekend of everything from everywhere, including visits with celebrities like Johnny Ray, Gloria DeHaven, Stephen Allen, and many others. Join Monitor this weekend. And now stay tuned for Recollections at 30 on NBC. Recollections at 30. NBC proudly presents by transcription some of the great moments from the 30-year history of radio network broadcasting. Every week at this time... Reminisce with us and hear the stars, the songs, the great moments in sports and special events from the past three decades, all culled from NBC's files by a man who can remember many of the people and many of the events of these earlier days of broadcasting, Ed Hurley. Thank you, Fred. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to give me the greatest of pleasure to introduce to you each week on this series so many of the fine things that have been done on radio in the past. During this last week... I've been busy blowing the dust off the recordings of hundreds of broadcasts. And when I put those recordings on the turntable and listen to the songs and the jokes and the political speeches even and the ball games and fights and interviews, I realize anew that as radio goes on year after year, it makes a record of the history of our time. I think that you'll be as delighted as I am to hear what made us laugh in 1930, what thrilled us in 1938, and what numbers we danced to in 1927. Well, let's get to it then, shall we? Recollections at 30. You remember 1934? Well, there was a depression then. The history books tell us we were worried. And we were. But we were also amused sometimes. And happy sometimes, too. That's what the dry history book forgets. But in the records that I've been spinning this week, the record is clear. NBC had a show in 1934 called Radio City Party. Welcome to the Radio City Party. Radiotron Company presents the Radio City Party with John B. Kennedy, interviewer of the great, stars of the Maxwell House Showboat, and Frank Black and his Victor Recording Orchestra. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, John B. Kennedy. Radio friends, the RCA Radiotron Company brings a new series of programs to you with a novel idea. Radio is either a mask or a mirror. It hides personality or reveals it. The makers of RCA Radio Tube, with the kind cooperation of leading sponsors and the gracious aid of leading stars, will give you each week in the Radio City Party informal but informative close-ups of your radio favorites. 
Who hasn't heard the genial voice of Captain Henry of Maxwell House Showboat? His breezy ballyhoo shows off that fine show to the best advantage. Who is Captain Henry? He's one of America's foremost character actors, Charles Winninger, star of a score of hits, including the original stage showboat. Here is Charles Winninger, Captain Henry, looking every bit as genial as he sounds, with a ruddy complexion 30 years younger than his silver locks. I'm mighty happy to meet you all, folks. Thank you. Captain Henry speaking to you. And as you say yourself, Captain Henry, this is only the beginning. You began by being born Charlie Winninger. Where? Ashland, Wisconsin. When? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, John. This is an interview, not an expert. Well, that's true enough, Charlie. Actors like spinsters can take a discount on their ages. An actor is sometimes a ham with a scrambled ego, but Charles Winninger learned his art in a hard school. Yes, indeed. I was practically reared in a theatrical trunk. Ah, such a jolly little elf as he was, and he looked like Santa Claus. Charles Winninger. Way back then, there were attempts to present in amusing form the everyday life of little people. Radio became extremely adept at this sort of thing, as we all know. And among the shows which showed the way to future writers and producers was the one called Clara, Lou, and M. Clara and Lou and M were neighbors, and one of them was always getting into some kind of predicament. This excerpt comes from the early 1930s. Want to buy a lot? And could you find the lot after you bought it? Well, Clara, Lou, and M have both answers. Don't look now, but isn't this their car coming up the driveway? Well, the lot's out there someplace. I've seen it. Let's get out. Well, I'm glad you saw it, Em. Great Scott, I bet we wasn't within five miles of it. You never recognized a thing, did you? Well, Clara, every time I said turn right, you turned left. And every time I said turn left, you turned right. Yes, and when did you tell me? You'd wait every time to let put me across and then yell turn left. And then you'd turn left. But why didn't you turn left? Well, because you never yelled in time. Well, you turned right. Well, Em, I have got to go with the car. I can't be yanking it every which way on instant notice. Oh, quit standing there on the sidewalk arguing. What's dead is dead. Oh, Oh, dear girls, that's my phone ringing in there, ain't it? Yes, Sam. Oh, that's him. That's the salesman. Oh, what'll I tell him? Well, just tell him you ain't the cider cat. No, Em, you better tell him you don't want it. Why? Well, I ain't got time to go into it now. Just tell him you don't want it because you ain't got the money. Well, I think it's smarter to hold him off. Oh, uh, hello? Oh, dear, I thought it was you. Tell him you don't want it, Em. Well, Clara, maybe it'll be gone by morning. Uh-huh. Well, yes, uh-huh. Yes. Em, listen to me. What? You and Ernest can't buy that lot. Why don't you tell him so and be done with it? Well, he's a kind of an optimistic fella, Clara. He don't take discouragement awful easy. Well, let me talk to him. I can discourage him. Well, all right. Uh, <clears throat> hello? Say, here's a lady that's going to be discouraging. Just a minute. Hello. Uh, this is Mrs. Roach, uh, mister. Yes, I'm a friend of Mrs. Kruger's. Why, I thought I might just as well tell you, she ain't gonna buy that lot. Well, Lou, maybe it's just as well. No. We ain't got any three thousand dollars or even a hundred. Yeah, I know she did, but she's just being nice. Well, she's timid. She can't help it. Oh, now, Clara, don't make me out to be some kind of a ninny. Three thousand dollars ain't any bargain. Well, because for one thing, she ain't got three thousand. Oh. Oh, well, now, why didn't you say so in the first place? Wait a minute. Em, he thinks maybe you could get that twenty-five hundred. Oh, really? Hello? Listen, I'll tell you one thing. The lot ain't worth 2500 No, I haven't saw it. 
Well, just because I don't think it is. It ain't worth $2,500. Well, I don't know. Oh, ring off, Clara. There's no use hanging on with it. What's the best you think you could do on it? 2000 huh? I'll give you 1800 What? Are you buying it now, Clara? No, sir. Not a nickel more. Are you buying it, Clara? Well, no. Wait a minute. And he wants to know if that's definite. What's definite? 1800 and that's a bargain. You mean for I and Ernest? Well, yes, you're the ones that's buying it, ain't you? Well, yes, we're buying Good. it. Good. Hello. Say, she'll take it. Uh. Well, there you are. Now, let's see. Next, the late and great Fred Allen. No more need be said except that in this selection from his radio show, Don McNeil was his guest. Here they are. This gentleman, your name, sir? Lomax Nishball. Uh, <laughs> what is your occupation, Mr. Nishball? I work in the automat. I'm a lettuce bender. Uh, <laughs> lettuce bender, the automat? Yeah, sometimes when they put a salad in one of them little compartments, the wet lettuce hangs out and they can't close the door, you oh. see. And you? I bend the lettuce back so they can close the door. <laughs> With rhubarb, it's stiff. I bite it off. I... <laughs> All right, Mr. Nishball, are you ready to play Break the Contest? Yes, sir. How much money do you have? Well, I ain't got no money. All I own in the world is what I got on. Oh, you've got to bet something. Well, all right. Tell you what, I bet you my coat against your coat. Mr. Nishbaugh, you got yourself a bet Nishbaugh. here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what category have you chosen? Uh, music. All right, it's your coat against my coat. Now, here's your first question, Mr. Nishball. Who wrote the Cachaturian Saber Dance? The Cachaturian? That's correct, Mr. Oh, Nishbaugh. correct, really? Yes, you oh. and my coat, I'll well, take it right Fine. You now have two coats. Would you like to try for four? Four coats? Yes, sir. I'd like to try for four right. coats. All right. In one word, finish the line of this popular song. Bongo, bongo, bongo. I don't want to leave the what? Bongo, bongo, bongo. It's one word. Manana? No. <laughs> bongo, bongo, bongo. I don't want to leave the Congo. Oh, that's a song? Yes, you lose, Mr. Nish. I'll oh, take I... my coat back and your coat, well, here, too. You take you your mind. coat. You have the both coats now. Yes, All right. right. Uh... Uh, what's your next question, uh, Mr. You, McNeil? What, what are you betting, Mr. Let time? me see, what could I... Oh, my belt. I'll bet you All my belt. All right, fine. <laughs> For one belt, what uh, was Peter Tchaikovsky's middle name? Bongo, bongo, no. bongo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I lost again. Yeah. Uh, take off your belt. Yeah, yeah, I lost yeah. again. Thank well, you I'm, very much. I'm gradually getting the hang of it. I'm yeah. getting the hang of it. Uh, what do you want to bet now? Well, what could I bet now? Yeah. Well, all I've got left to bet is my trousers. Your pants. Josie Curry! <laughs> Come on, give me the question. i got to win back me coat and belt, Mr. McNeil. All right, for one pair of pants. Who wrote Alexander's ragtime band? Alexander? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Irving Berlin. Could you repeat the question, please? No. <laughs> could you, uh... Could you repeat the answer? Now quit stalling, Mr. Nushball. You lost your pants. Come on, take them off. Give well, them all right, Mr. I don't know. I can't do anything. I can't. That was Town Hall tonight, and uh, quiz shows in those days, well, they paid off rather poorly compared with our quiz shows of today. Some of the younger listeners may be amused to learn that once upon a time, you found out how the world's heavyweight thought had come out by waiting until your newspaper was delivered in the morning. But radio changed all that. Sports announcers brought you to the ballpark and the football field and to the ringside. Back in the 1930s, the announcer that sports fans listened to most avidly was NBC's colorful Graham McNamee. I came across the complete recording of the famous Bear Canera fight. Would you like to hear the terrific excitement in the closing moments of that battle? All right. Here's the voice of Graham McNamee. Here it is again. Bear comes in like a shot of lightning this time. 
drives his left to the side of the face, then his right and left both to the body. While Primo seems to be to have come to some, he has a tremendously large swelling on the left side of his face from those terrific right-hand blows of of stairs. Uh, it was that it was that terrific left hand in the stomach over there that started it, and I believe Carnera claimed it was low, and the referee jumped in for a moment. Otherwise, everybody around here believed that it would have been a knockout. And then, a terrific right hand to the side of Carnera's face. And Carnera goes down again, but only for the count of one. The man won't stay down. And he swings a hard left to Bear's face. But Bear is following him now. Carnera is very flimsy on those powerful legs of his. And Bear seems to feel that he can take him close any time. But Carnera drives in with this straight left again and then swings his right to the side of Bear's head. Oh, it was a... This is a scrap. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Bear is feeling feeling Carnera out for that thing that'll end the fight if it's possible. And then uh, Carnera put over a, a, a straight left to the face again and another straight left to the face. Then Bear swung a terrific haymaking right hand on the side of Carnera's head and almost knocked him down. Carnera has fallen. Carnera has fallen again. But he is up instantly. The man won't stay down. Talk about nerve. He'll fight till he's dead, that man. He'll fight till nothing can stop him. Carnera is almost through, though. Nobody can do it. And finally, the referee motions there to his corner. And he should have done so. He should have done so. Bear begged, begged, Bear begged referee Donovan to stop the fight, not allow the punishment to go on any longer. It was too fearful, and Bear couldn't stand it. Wait, I'm going to get there. And now I'll have that Bear over here in a minute, who has just won the heavyweight championship of the world. Hi, Hello, kiddo. Oh, mother, I want to say, Rodeo, I'm very happy. Joe Humphreys is now raising back Bear's hand Hello. in token of winning. Hello, Mom. And that's what happened 22 years ago on the night of June the 14th, 1934. A colorful era. Broadcast by one of the most colorful reporters of all time, Graham McNamee. Also back in the 30s, if you knew the obscure work of a minor poet or the shape of the leaves on some tropical flower, like as not, you sent a question to... Information, please. <laughs> Wake up, America. Time to stump the experts. Trot out your toughest questions and send them to us with the right answers. Four experts every Tuesday night will answer them correctly or pay you $5 for every question that stumps them. And each question accepted gets you $2. Our master of ceremonies is Clifton Fadiman, literary critic of the New Yorker magazine. Mr. Fadiman. Good evening, everybody. Mr. Franklin C. Adams and Mr. John Kieran are here again this evening. Our guest, Savannah have uh, both been with us before, Mr. Oscar Levant and Mr. Ben Hecht. Are you all ready, gentlemen? Here we go. The first question is from Mrs. A.B. Churchill of 27 Washington Avenue, Nyack, New York. The first lines of the following sets of couplets will be read, and you will have to complete them. Are you ready? One. Ten little Indians standing in a line. Ten little Indians standing in a line. Miss Kieran. One walked away and then there were nine. Very good. <clears throat> nine little Indians swinging on a gate. Miss Kieran again. One fell off and then there were eight. 
and certainly knows his Indian. Eight little Indians climbing up toward heaven. Mr. Curran. One fell down, and then there were seven. <laughs> seven little Indians picking up sticks. One broke his neck, and then there were six. <laughs> that was Mr. Curran, I needn't tell you. Six little Indians playing with a hive. Mr. Curran? One was stung, and then there were five. And <laughs> uh, now, you other gentlemen can leave the room and come back in about three or four minutes, if you wish. Five little Indians on a trap door. One fell through, and then there were four. Thank you, Mr. Curran. Four little Indians up in a tree. One jumped out, and then there were three. Three little Indians out in a canoe. One was drowned, and then there were two. Two little Indians playing with a gun. One pulled the trigger, and then there was one. <laughs> one little Indian living all alone. One little Indian living all alone. He died, and now they're unknown. <laughs> Good enough. Nowadays, we are quite used to husband and wife shows. Those informal and chatty sessions in which a clever married couple discuss every topic under the sun. One of the first of these shows is a stranger to me, but its title was Coffee and Donuts. On this particular show, these folks talked about current events, but since the date was 1934, the events they talked about are no longer current. Listen. <laughs> Makers of Scratchies, America's newest and fastest-selling woolen undergarment for women, invite you to come along with them at this time to 565 Main Street and listen in at the breakfast table. Have some more hot coffee, Jill. Mm. Baby, these donuts are great. I hear the coffee's good, too. Yeah, good and hot. Oh, huh? Joe, you oughtn't to wash your food down like that. You ought to chew it before you swallow well, it. I think I'm late, baby. I see the Higgins kids over there starting the school. Must be about 20 minutes past already. Well, if you'd remember to take the cops downtown and have it fixed, you wouldn't have to be guessing all the time. Are you listening to me, Joe? Joe, do you even hear me? Yeah, yeah. I I'm reading about Jean Harlow. She's getting a divorce. Oh. She was married only a little while ago. Yeah, I know, but she's calling it off. What's what the reason she's getting? Wait, look. Um, he takes the newspapers to bed and reads it. Oh, well, don't blame her for hollering. Yeah, and I don't blame him for wanting to get off with the paper somewhere so he can enjoy it before she mixes it up. How do you know she mixes it up? Yeah, all women do. That goes for you too, baby. But you got a nerve. I don't mix that. I grasp things. Yeah. I go through it quicker than you do. I, I don't bother with the pen and the stories much. Headlines today are forgotten tomorrow. Yesterday, all we were hearing was Baby Face Nelson. Big headlines. His body was found full of bullets. Yeah, he was yeah. right. And where is he now? Well, they probably melted him down to get the lead back. After all, those bullets belong to the government. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, that's you. You're a funny guy. <laughs> and here's some more about your boyfriend, Huey Long, the kingfish. Boy, he's certainly doing things like that. He's going to have a moratorium and cancel all debts to help the poor people. He's traveling all over the other states, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kansas, starting a new party. He, you know, he's back in that state college football team, and he made one of the boys a senator. And now, here we figures, he'll take them to California for the Rose Bowl game. What do you think of that? Just a lot of Huey. Huey. 
<laughs> what a joker. <laughs> yeah. Musically speaking, Recollections at 30 would like to take you back into the Great Swing era, starting around 1928 and continuing up until the early 1940s, when the great bands of our time came into being. We'd like to play a little quiz game, though, with you right now. Do you know this music? back can that be? And it certainly awakens pleasant memories in my mind. Well, that's all the time we have for now for Recollections at 30. I like the idea. Do you? Well, if you do, I wish you'd write and tell me about it. Ed Hurley. You know, radio has been America's outstanding entertainment medium for years. And the wealth of comedy and music, great stars, drama, personalities, is now mine with the courtesy of the National Broadcasting Company, mine to recall for you. So if you remember a special broadcast that was a favorite of yours, perhaps a, a comedy moment, or perhaps you'd like to hear the voice of Al Jolson or Rudy Valley again, well, if you'd like to hear it again, drop a note to Recollections at 30. Ed Hurley, National Broadcasting Company, Radio City, New York, and I'll try to find it for you. So until next week at the same time... Recollections at 30 will return with more of the same. The stars and special events of yesterday and even the day before. 
You have been listening to Recollections at 30, one of a series of recorded highlights from the 30-year history of radio network broadcasts. Next week at the same time, there will be more of the great stars, great moments of the past, presented by NBC Radio and introduced by Ed Herlihy. Recollections at 30 is directed by Bob Mauer. Fred Collins speaking. Hear the harrowing true drama of alcoholism on Skid Row tomorrow night on NBC Radio.